Hey guys, it is Allison from Allison Answers and Lager Counseling Services here to crush the back of mediocrity. Can we just all get a big amen on that with Bradley Roth? Amen. <laughs> there you go. Hey guys, it is Allison from Allison Answers. We are so happy to be here today. Um, as you all know, this is Mission Awake. And what we know about Mission Awake is that we want to wake up the people. We want everyone to understand that we are not bound to a life of mediocrity. We are not bound to the life that was handed to us. We are not meant to live in passive, um, just passively receiving the life that was handed down to us as we just kind of float around and end up where we don't want to be, living with people we don't want to live with, doing the things we don't want to do just because everybody else is doing it. So I have a guest today that I'm really super excited about. He is the coolest guy, but let me tell you something about him. See, he is. He's the coolest guy, but what it is about him is that he, um, he is completely aligned with my mission. And I feel that I am completely aligned with his because see, I feel like we kind of floated together and met one another for many reasons. But I think primarily because we are in the same stream. We both do not want to follow what the norm is doing. We want to create lives of magnificence and excellence, and we're made for greatness. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about Bradley Roth, okay? So here we go. The most important thing about Bradley is that he's on a mission and he um, is a host of a kick-ass podcast. Now, he basically is doing the same thing that I'm doing and we are going to take over the world, right? Do you ever see on, on uh, uh, SpongeBob, I will rule the world? Do you ever see Plankton do that? I don't know. I guess, yes, for do sure. you know what I'm talking about? I will rule the world. I freaking love that. <laughs> I have to get that clip. I'm going to put it on my thing, right? Okay, <laughs> here we go. So now he's, a, he's the host of the podcast, Not Most People. And wait till you hear what he says about that, because Bradley and myself are not like most people. And everyone out there, we are here to make sure you're not like most people. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a founder of Breakthrough Digital, which is chat marketing agency. So this is something that Bradley created and he does, and I have absolutely no idea what that means. <laughs> he is also, he's going to tell us about it, but he is also a fellow Arte Syndicate member. And if you guys don't know what that is, that is, I talk about it all the time for God's sakes. Where's my emblem? Wrong side. Same. Right there. Yeah. Got, do you have it too? Where is it? See? Not today. So, I'm wearing a uh, Max out. So oh, Ed's Ed shirt. That's it. Same thing. Oh. We are proud members of the Arte Syndicate, which is a business society that is exclusive for people who want to change the face of business across the nation and the world to being uh, a place where um, it's a force for good on earth. So we are, you know, that is along the same stream that we're talking about, about crushing mediocrity. He is, I'm mentioning again, the host, the badass host of Not Most People podcast, and you guys have to check it out. He currently lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with his wonderful fiance, 
Nancy, and they are both the oldest of four children. Whatever the hell that means, I'm a therapist and I could dissect the shit out of that right there, but I won't. He's an aspiring (laughs) health and relationship coach. And um, I just really, really think that Bradley is going to take over the world. So I'm just so grateful to have you here. And would you like to just say anything about yourself, anything you want anyone to know? Because you you see this right here? You see this video right here? It's going right out there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) whether it's good or not, whether we look horrible, it doesn't matter. You should see some of the ways I've looked on these things. Okay. So tell me what you tell, tell us, tell us your, tell us something unique about you. Wow, unique. Put me on the spot. First I'm off, totally uh, the I spot. think you nailed all the all the main points there. That was a great intro. Uh, yeah, right now the big focus or the kind of the big new exciting thing in my life is the you know, other than being engaged is uh, the podcast, which is new. And I actually I just had Allison on, so that was awesome, awesome experience. We're like, oh man, we got to do this both ways, mm-hmm. and we're just uh, like she said, so so alike so aligned in, in the mission and, uh, man, fun, fun fact. I'm trying to think, uh, something random, totally random. Yeah, is, go random. Let's do it. I was a, uh, I was an all state high jumper in, in high school enough. and, uh, yeah. In co- yeah. <laughs> so that's not random that most people, you know, looking at me probably wouldn't guess, uh, the high jumped like six, six. That was like, that's like my, you know, when you look back and you're like, you know, back in my day and, you know, <laughs> that, that's my story. I, that's my like glory days. Yeah, kind of back athletic. In my day, yeah. You know, I high jumped 6.6 <laughs> inches. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. So that's like you would just jump over. That's what those guys do with the poles. Yeah. That's pole vaulting, which okay, I did wait, that too. I got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> when you jump across, like. Yeah. Where you like go over backwards, like on your back. Like, oh my you know, gosh. Yes. Yes. yes that's yeah. what you did. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah, that was my jam. This is a that random fun fact. Okay, it's a random fun fact. Let's do it. Yeah. I have to say something. And for about reference, that. I'm five foot nine, so that you know. Oh, so that's so that's so far. See, so, you know what? And we could e- we could totally trail on that one fact. <laughs> because think yeah. about it. Just if you believe that you couldn't jump further than your height, right? But you must yeah. have believed. Well, higher. I'm sorry, I don't know. How further, to do further, yeah, no, it's further, all good. Most people, higher. most people who like aren't into like most people don't know I'm anything not about track people, and field. Okay, yeah. I'm not most people. Right? <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, uh, I got to say something that Bradley said. I want to give a quote that I found that Bradley said: "If everyone is, if everyone else is doing it, it's probably wrong." So I just want to say another thing about him. He said he had said to me what he would like to share as a message here today. He said, "I would like to share the message that being like most people and following society's advice in quotes is the surest path to mediocrity and a lack of fulfillment." Mm-hmm. And I I just love that. And Bradley's mission is to share ways to make sure that that's not you. That you're not the the guy or the gal who follows what society tells us to do and lands where society tells us to land and end and you end up in a life that you don't want. So basically that's what Bradley's here to do. Um, And there's another thing that I thought is just really cool. And in a way I'm speaking for you, but I have a tendency to do that. So you can tell me to stop. But 
I'm going to just say one thing he said. He said, I grew up destined for mediocrity in almost every area of my life. And I just was wondering, could you just tell us about that? How were you destined for mediocrity? Yeah, well, I think uh, I think most people by default are destined for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you are born into a family where your parents are, you know, high achievers and they're kind of grooming you and pushing you from a young age and and telling you think for yourself and don't follow society's advice and all that. Um, most people, as you can see by the end result, kind of end up in mediocrity or in average or somewhere, you know, in that that 80 to 90% of people who, you know, are really where they dreamed of being when they were young growing up. Right. So, I mean, in terms of how I came to that way of thinking, mm-hmm. I'd have to go back a little bit like yeah. towards, you know, let's go. You're the therapist, right? Let's, so you're yeah, like, yeah, let's, you let's hear back. about the childhood. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was your mother so, like? How did she treat yes. you? <laughs> I'll go back even like, you know, so this is another kind of fun fact yeah. that I, I told you earlier, but mm-hmm. so my dad is one of nine kids. My mom is one of 17 kids. So they both are like from these massive families. And these were families that, you know, are from the Midwest, Illinois. They didn't have anything growing up. You know, the parents worked hard, but like supporting 17 kids and nine kids on like kind of a blue collar type deal. Like they didn't have a lot growing up. Yeah. Right. So they both, I think were some of the first in their family to like go to college, put themselves through college and do that. And then they had me and my sisters. And so their definition of success, like, like many people out there is, you know, you grow up, you get good grades, you go to college, you get out and then you like find a career and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And my dad did that. And, you know, did great, obviously in a lot of ways and can't fault him at all, but it was, I know for me, I don't know if it was like something I was born with, but I was homeschooled. You know, my, my parents were, uh, Catholic. My mom, you know, wanted to kind of, uh, I don't want to say control, but like, you know, be a part of, <laughs> but you did say control. I don't want to say yeah. control. Don't you yeah, love yeah. when people I mean, do that? <laughs> well, yeah. And she was a, she got a teaching degree. So she, yeah. she taught like before I was born and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a natural, like transition there, but I was homeschooled through seventh grade. And so were my sisters all around kind of the same seventh to eighth grade. But for me, like I did sports and scouts and like all these other things where I was, that was like my social you know, things that I did. That's where I met friends and they all went to school. And so they're like telling me about school and, you know, even though you're in like fifth, sixth grade and they're telling me about like the girls they talk to and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, man, like, yeah, I I really want to go to school. And yeah, I could, I could never like sit still Mm. at home. It's just like me and my sisters and my mom. I was always like, kind of like sneaking off and playing with Legos or whatever. Yeah. And I just, um, I think from a very young age, I was like, why, why do I need to learn this subject? You know, like I didn't have an interest in things unless they were like, I could see the relevance of them. And I don't know, because I think a lot of kids grow up and they're like, you know, they want to get straight A's and they want that approval and they want, they're like, oh, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Cool. Let's do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And my sisters were like that a little bit more than me, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I like growing up, I was like, oh, school, like, you know, why do I need to learn this subject or that subject? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to know like 
uh, I don't need to memorize history facts that like I can look up if I need yeah. to know them, you yeah, know, exactly. stuff like that. And then I finally went to school in eighth grade and it was like, Oh, free. Even though it was like a private school, I was like, Oh, freedom, like cool. And then high school. And I just always had this thing with authority mm-hmm. growing up because I think part of it was like, I felt, I don't want to say trapped, but I felt kind of like restricted being homeschooled. I wanted to like go be social, be with, you know, the other kids type thing. Cause my friends were there and, you know, I think naturally you want to go do what your friends are doing right when you're young. So yeah. I always was like, you know, why, why is this the way that it is? You know, why is that the rules? Why? Like, because I say so was never like a good answer for me mm-hmm. or because that's the way it is. Like people would say that. And I, I think I was just like, I'm an ultra logical person. Yeah. So even like when I was younger, I'd be like, well, why? Like, why does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. And I'd question it, not so much like out loud, but like in my head, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like outspoken, but like in my head, I was very rebellious. Right. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm growing up and I, you know, go to school, I go to high school and the high school that I was at was like, you know, it was, a, it was a private all guys school, which again, I didn't really want to go to. You went to an, was, all, an all guys school, a Catholic all guys high school. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, um, didn't really want to be there. You know, I made, I made a lot of friends and did mm-hmm. sports and stuff and, and all that, but like they had these, you know, they had like rules. Like if you were using your cell phone in the parking lot after school and you got caught, it was five hours of detention. What? Yeah. How like come? stuff like that. I don't know. Just and then they random. called it, they called it, uh, they called it jug there instead of detention, which means justice under God. So I was like, yeah. So justice like rules like God? that. And like, I was like, why is that the rule? Like what's so bad about using your phone after school, like outside, you know, you like, so stuff like that. I was like, you know, that kind of made, gave me like a little bit more of a distaste for like authority and I was never like the one who acted out or rebelled openly or anything like that, but I always questioned internally. And Are you angry so that, inside? Uh, at times, mm-hmm. more more frustrated. Yeah, because I felt like I was like in this environment that I didn't really want to be in. Yeah, and then I went to college. I went to UConn, you know, huge public school, and that was like you know, like the reins are off, like we're <laughs> here's freedom. Wild. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I probably, I did probably you go went wild? a little, what? Did you go wild? I did go wild. You did? Yeah. yeah. Like really bad? Um, uh, I had one incident that. Do you want to tell us? <sighs> <laughs> Is it like totally embarrassing? We can go one for uh, one. I'm actually not telling one. So let's just say it was like a, t- a toga party that didn't end well. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it the, at that. Uh, the imaginations are running wild. Yeah, right yeah now. take it yes. that what you will. But okay, um, got it. Yeah, and that was like a you know freshman year kind of a learning. Did you go to jail? Learning experience. Yeah, and you did. What did you say? Wait a second. You just answered a question. I don't know if you meant to answer. I said, "Did you go to jail?" And you said, "Yeah." Oh, no, no, no jail, no jail. <laughs> you see that? Luckily, <laughs> that could have went viral. So you, your mother'd be calling you. You didn't. You went to oh, jail. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, um, I did end up in the hospital actually. You did, but okay. yeah, but, I mean, I was I was fine, mm-hmm. but not not something I wanted to relive, you know. Yeah. So I, uh, but anyways, I, yeah, <laughs> found that freedom went nuts for you know had a great time in college, uh, but even then I still I didn't know what I wanted to go for when I got there. I was like, oh, like 
I'm not really interested in anything, <laughs> you know, like growing up, <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, I wasn't a very, like, I wouldn't consider myself a very well-rounded person back then. I was like yeah. a one dimensional, like I did sports. I was an athlete, you know, I was the high jumper. Like that's what I, that's like, was my identity. I worked out all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'll major in exercise science because I like to work out. Wow, and yeah. so that's what I did. And I applied, it was like, you do your first two years and you apply that for that, uh, your junior year. But like, you still have all these prerequisites that you got to do. And so like, I'm doing exercise science more, more specifically strength conditioning, which is more like the hands-on like training mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And there was prerequisites that like, you had to take like accounting to become like, <laughs> to do that major. And I'm like, what? Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, can someone yes. explain to me like yeah. why? And like, no one ever had an answer, you know, like my guidance counsel, like no one had like an answer, like why that was required. They probably know. I'm like, it's just like a money grab. Mm -hmm. I think like requiring you, like, they're like, Oh, well, we don't know what they yeah. need, but like, we need them to be here for four years, so, like pay four years of tuition. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to like mm -hmm. require this class. That's like irrelevant, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. So like you. going back to like, when I was younger, I'm like, why do I need to learn this kind of that same mm -hmm. thought pattern? And then I graduated, I got into uh, a CrossFit gym. I trained group classes and individuals for like, for five years, I did that. And that was awesome. That was a blast, but it was like part-time and looked like it was going to become a full-time thing, but like no one at our gym left, like, like coaches wise, like it's a CrossFit gyms are small. There's usually yeah. a small handful of coaches. Mm -hmm. Usually there's a lot of turnover. Yeah. But when I left after five years, I was still the newest coach on staff, which is like unheard of. Yeah. So there was never really room there to like move up. So I started looking for these other things mm -hmm. to make more money during that time. So I, I dabbled in network marketing, like a lot of people do. And, you know, that was okay. I learned some good sales skills and stuff like that, but I was like, you know, long-term, that's not the answer. And then I got into real estate and I was a realtor for a couple of years and, uh, did not like that. <laughs> that was not my thing. And especially cause like, you're so like, uh, rooted to one spot geographically. And I did, I didn't want that. And, um, can I ask I you something in the midst of that? I just, in the midst of all of that, mm -hmm. because I think so many people are going through that. Like young yeah. people are like, what do I want to do? And they're, mm -hmm. they're looking in the streams that are offered to them. Yes. You know, what is yep. available. And I think our brains are like that. Our brains are, we do not think to consider things that haven't been done because we just only go with whatever's, um, you know, in our wiring. So I'm just wondering, just even as you're, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the people who listen, who are young, who are younger and mm -hmm. trying to figure out who they are and where they're going. And you're saying things that are so important. I'm not sure if you're, I mean, you know, you're important. So maybe you know it, but <laughs> like, you're saying the thing like that you were the guy in your own mind who questioned, why do we have to do this? This does not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the child or adolescent who says, why do we have to do this? That's the rebel. That's the bad child who's, mm, who is yeah. silenced. Maybe you were silent, but that's the kid who is, doesn't fit in or, but thank God, you know, I mean, I'm just going to say I homeschooled my kids and people would say, well, um, how will they be? Don't you want them to be socialized? And, um, 
And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly the reason why they're not going to school. (laughs) But anyhow, so what you're saying is you're, you're, uh, you were a young man or a child who turned around and you looked at the situation and you said, this doesn't sound right to me. And that's why you're here. Not most people do that. Right. If it doesn't sound right, they think they're crazy. Yeah. So that's my two cents. I think, um, I think it's easy to think that, right? Because you're told these certain things your whole life by everyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, question it, but then they are told that like, no, you're like, why are you thinking that way? Why don't you just do what everyone else is doing? And it, it's so easy to conform to that and live in this kind of like small sense of discomfort or unease rather than like go against what you're being told. Exactly. So I'm looking for all these ways to... Like, what am I going to do? I love the gym and stuff like that. But again, I was like, you know, I want to travel. Like I got bit by the travel bug really hard and I wanted to move around and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I can't do that at a gym and online training wasn't as much a thing back then. And so I'm lo- I'm like looking for all these things. I'm like, man, I don't know what I want to do. And I kind of, you know, network marketing and real estate, they're both not like, you're not an entrepreneur. A lot of people like to call themselves that, yeah. but like you're, you're working as like an independent contractor basically within those organizations. So it's still like kind of entrepreneurial in that you have to kind of like take the initiative and structure your own time and those, that sort of thing. But you're not like the one creating the product or the service. Right. And I realized that I couldn't work like a nine to five. Like it just, it doesn't work for me. Uh, that might sound stubborn. I mean, I could survive. I could would do it, but you? I would that be miserable. Might, you said that might sound stubborn. How come? Yeah. What's stubborn about it? Um, because there was times where I probably like, it would have helped a lot to find it like a kind of standard job and, and work it and make and save some money. But I was just kind of like, you know, I think I'd rather, <laughs> I think I'd rather be broke than be miserable or, yeah. you know, kind of. Mm-hmm that mentality, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking around and I start to kind of, while I'm in real estate, while I'm in network marketing, I start to kind of learn about sales. Sales leads me a little bit to like marketing. Marketing leads me to like entrepreneurship and kind of like, so I started looking into these different topics. And as I was growing up, I knew nothing, nothing about business or entrepreneurship. Like this might sound crazy. Like I didn't know a single business owner entrepreneur growing up until after college. And I honestly didn't know the word entrepreneur, like what it was or what it meant until I was like 22. Mm. So I was like the latest of late starting. I thought businesses, like I thought, I didn't know people owned them growing up. I thought they just like, <laughs> no, literally, That's I thought good. they just like existed. Yeah. Like they were just these entities. Yeah. And so, so I didn't know that like you could like start a business. I thought yeah. that businesses were just like a business. <laughs> and That's that what funny? it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I started to discover like, oh, wow. Like in, in the first... I'd say a real entrepreneur I met where I kind of like got it was like the owners of the gym where they hired me, mm-hmm. you know, they're like small business entrepreneurs. And I was like, Oh, you know, like mm-hmm. that's cool. Like maybe I'll start a gym. But then again, I realized that wasn't for me, but so I'm digging into all this entrepreneurship business stuff. And I'm like, man, what can I do? I don't really have any background or skills, but like, I want to, I want to do this. And, and my fiance is a nurse. So I'm like, Oh, we're, you know, you're going to travel nurse and, and I'm going to work remotely cool. doing something. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to start my own digital marketing business. 
because I like social media. I had built up a few Instagram pages, like for fun, kind of interest pages. I was like, oh, I can help like local business do do this. And I know a lot of local business owners from the gym and stuff like that. So I just like dove. This was like 2017. I got out of real estate. I just I dove into the deep end of entrepreneur. You know, I was like, I'm gonna start my own agency. I'm gonna I'm gonna be making 10K in like two months and you know, all this cool. yeah. you, like all this yeah. like way overly optimistic. That's good, you know, thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Which I think if I <laughs> if I could go back three years and knew what it was gonna be like, I don't know if I would have <laughs> made that decision. Yeah. Right. So I jumped into that with zero background, zero skills, very little connections. I had no money saved. I had no real money coming in. And I just, I jumped into the, I was like, what do you do exactly? So what I did, what I started doing was like social media management. So like kind of like posting on Facebook and Instagram and just having like a social media presence because a lot of, you know, three, four years ago, a lot of local businesses still didn't have that. Yeah. So I did, I started doing that. I got a couple of clients, a couple of clients dropped off kind of like, fight and, you know, kind of clawed my way through for yeah. a while. And then in 2018, I went to, uh, we went to like a Tony Robbins live event. Oh yeah. And that kind of like blew the doors off my life in a way. Like yeah. it was just a, a crazy experience. I came back in like a whole new mindset. And I, I was into personal development a little bit before that I was reading books and stuff like that, but I like, I didn't, I was never disciplined. I never had routines. I never did things consistently. I didn't understand a lot of my own psyche and, and limiting beliefs and stuff like that. But after that event, that kind of like, you know, that was like a jump off point for really getting into personal development and psychology and like that kind of stuff. And that's like what I loved and what I um, found super interesting and I was like, man, I think this is where I want to be long term. So even like over the last few years, even though I haven't like been doing anything with it directly, I kind of knew mm-hmm. I like this is where I'm gonna be one day. Yeah. And but I'm but I'm not ready yet. So I'm still like I was putting in the time, putting in like developing myself because I had a lot of things. I you know, we all still have a lot of things to mm-hmm. to work on. Mm-hmm. But over that time I'm I'm working on that. And then we moved away from we were, you know, in the northeast Connecticut and we moved out on our own and spent a few months in South Carolina. And then we went out to Arizona, which we're at now. But like during that time, I'm like still trying to figure out this marketing thing and it's, yeah. it's not really working. Yeah. And I pivoted a couple of times. I got more into Facebook ads. And then last year, year and a half ago, I got more into the chat marketing, which is what I'm working on now. What is that? It's a, uh, you got to sell me. I, I need a marketer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the common response. Not not a lot of people yeah. what know is what it, it is when I mentioned even marketers are like, what was that mean? So basically it's you use Facebook Messenger, everyone uses Facebook Messenger, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh businesses, like people can message businesses, and a lot of times like those messages they go unanswered mm-hmm. or uh they don't really do anything with them. Yeah. So it's having like it's kind of built around chatbots, which chatbots are kind of like a, a word that like people hear and they like shut down mentally. Oh, I did already. You know? I shut down. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done with this question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because chatbots, like a lot of chatbots out there are terrible. They're yeah. like, they just spit back the same like canned yeah. answer over oh, and over. That. And you're like, yep. oh my gosh, like get me off this thing. Yes. So, but, but if you do it right and you create like an interactive back and forth experience, that's like, you know, has gifts and images and like fun copy and it's personalized 
which you can do all this stuff through Facebook Messenger. I think Tony and Robbins like, does that. He does, he does yeah. do that. Yep. Yep. So does yeah, like, like Dean, a, Dean um, what's his name? Gra- Grazio? Dean Graziosi. Yeah, he does yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're starting to see it more and more. Yeah. But it's still, it's still like kind of like that blue ocean, like new stuff. So it's fun. It's something that like. You like doing it? I do. Because it's also like it builds a connection with your customers without mm-hmm. you like having to be, so it kind of like scales your interaction yeah. with you because you can have like technically like a thousand conversations going on without you having to be there. Now it's not like a replacement and you're not like trying to fool people into thinking that it's like a person on the other side. That's like yeah. rule number one, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as that first line, mm-hmm. like you can create whatever experience or conversation you want in there and kind of guide people to whatever endpoint you want them to go to. And then you're also answering their questions along the way and stuff like that. So it kind of can do a whole lot of things, but it's fun. And it's, again, it's interactive. It's different. It's like something that like everyone's running Facebook ads, everyone's posting on Instagram, but very, very few people have this. And like when a customer interacts with it, there's instantly going to know like, Oh wow, this is, this is kind of like new and different and and interact. Oh, wow. so you're like, like in a new, you're in like a new stream, which is really like what you were saying, a blue ocean. That's cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it still hasn't really hit and I'm going to yeah. be ahead of the curve, but yeah, you will. I also got to educate people a ton because like a lot of people don't know what it is yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's, so that's good. Yeah. I, yeah. So I kind of ended up there, uh, just very indirectly, I guess, but like during this whole time, I came, I came up with this idea. Not most people a couple of years ago, because again, I'm reading these books. Um, I'm developing like my thought patterns that I had growing up where like I questioned things and like, why is this that way? And as I, as I got more into personal development, I realized that like almost every successful person that I read about or I listened to or whatever, almost everything that they said that like leads to success was like the opposite of what I was taught or that like what society teaches. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, like if all of these successful people are saying the same things and it's opposite of like what society teaches, like, you know, where's, I'm going to say that these guys who have done it are the right ones, you know? And so I just developed that kind of like thinking Mm -hmm. more and more as I'm, as like, I'm doing personal development. And then this idea, not most people kind of pops into my head. I want to say like two, three years ago. And I was like, Oh, that's like, I like that phrase. Not most people. I didn't really like have like a specific Mm -hmm. vision for it yet, but I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I think people get it. And I was like, how am I going to like share this though? I was like, I hate being on video. I hate like speaking, Mm -hmm. like uh, podcasting. Like that wasn't even like a thought. Back yeah. then I was like, oh, I'm going to do Instagram because I've done Instagram. But like, mm-hmm. I couldn't really, you can't really go deep with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like I, it was all like surface level. So I yeah, started like building a right. page, but a surface level. And I'm like, oh, this isn't really what I want. And then I was like, oh, I'll blog. I'll write. So that I don't have to like be in front of a camera or talk or anything like that. Is it hard and for I like you? To write. Is it hard for you to be in front of a camera? Uh, now, not as much, mm-hmm. but. I should say growing up again, I was homes being homeschooled. I never like presented in front of a group or in front of the class or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I get to eighth grade and I remember like having to do like one or two, like things in front of the class, even in like small groups. And like, if I knew I had to do it, like I wouldn't sleep for weeks. Like I had like, (laughs) so, so scary. 
isn't it? It is. Yeah. I had like severe anxiety about it. I'd get up. My voice was like so, so shaky. And like, I turned red and sweat and like everyone probably felt really bad. Awful. And even like all through high school, that was the case. Yeah. And then in college, I took like a public speaking class and I think they gave me like a C because they felt bad. You know, like, uh, <laughs> okay, let's throw this guy a, a C, right? Yeah, right. Like, let's he's try. trying, he's trying, you know, <laughs> like, kind of like give him a little pat on the head, like, good, you know, good effort. Yeah. Uh, type thing. So, but then, like, I knew in college at the same time that I wanted to be a CrossFit coach more than anything. Mm. And I knew what gym I wanted to go to. And so I was like, I guess, you know, I'll have to like figure it out at some point. Yeah. And so I got out of school. I, har- I harassed the local gym owner. That I like, I had kind of built a little bit of a relationship with, but I harassed him, harassed him. I was like, oh, you know, I want to coach. I want to coach. He's like, you know, I love your enthusiasm. I know you like know your stuff and what you're talking about, but he's like, can you, can you do it? Like, can you teach a class? And I was like, you could teach me how to teach a class, you know? And then, and so like, he put me in front of the class and man, like early on, I, it was, I would cringe thinking about it now. But it was like kind of the same thing. I'd get up there. I was quiet. I was like sweaty. I was nervous. And this is like, you know, in a gym, big site, like you got to be loud. Like yeah. I, could, I didn't know how to talk loud. Yeah. And so I th- like I talked to a lot of people a couple of years later because eventually I kind of like made it through and got a little slowly got better. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of people were like, yeah, when you started, like we didn't think you were going to make it, you know, because you're like so say? quiet. They thought you were quiet. Yeah. They thought I was like, which, which I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like kind of quiet. I was monotone. I was yeah, like, my body language was really small because I was, yeah. you know, nervous yeah. and stuff like that. But right. like, I got slowly, slowly got better. And then by like year three, four, five, it was, you know, no problem. I could do it in my sleep. But even then I still like that was, that was like my comfort zone though, was at the gym. Like I knew the routine I'd coached like hundreds of classes, same people, similar warm up, you know, all that kind of stuff was like familiar. So I could do that. But then even still this idea of like creating this movement or this YouTube channel or this podcast or whatever, I was like, Oh, like that's, that's pretty scary. I don't know about that. Like I couldn't listen to my voice back on video or audio. I'd like, it sounded different, yeah, you know, yeah, like, totally. yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh no, I can't do that. And like, so I, I would just not record myself at all for like three years because I just couldn't listen to myself back. Mm. And I was like, man, if I sound like that to me, I probably sound just as bad to everyone else. And like, no one, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> so I don't think that's true, but yeah. Well, thank you. I, no. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I have mm-hmm. progressed in that area, but you know, eventually um, I got into Arte, you know, like last year, and I had kind what of been thinking about What made you decide to go on to Arate? Uh, I, w- I was just a big fan of Andy's podcast yeah. first. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Ed stuff too, like through Andy, but mostly mm-hmm. like the MFCEO project. Yeah. Uh, that probably kept me going mm-hmm. in my business like a dozen times when I was ready to quit. What do you think the reason is? Because, you know, if you think about it, you describe yourself and, you know, you were this kid who was quiet, right? Mm-hmm. And you, mm-hmm. but you have these, bi- you have these, big um, opposing thoughts and ideas. So your, yeah. your thoughts are big. I was a thinker though. I yeah. kept it all internal. Yeah. yeah. But then it's interesting because then you have Andy who has the voice. Mm. Like he's the voice. Like he's, he says what we're thinking, right? Yes. Yep. 
And it's interesting, like you, like, and I'm just wondering, I had a question way back when you're talking about Tony Robbins that I didn't want to miss the thing Mm -hmm. with Tony Robbins. What was your, what was your walk away from that? What was your takeaway? And I know there was a lot because you were transformed because I know what that's like, Mm -hmm. but there's something because I think you had that greatness in you or, but you had the tenacity, which is so in opposition to what you're describing, this nervous kid, he's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you don't, you, you sound like somebody who doesn't want to step out of the norm, but everything in you hates the norm. And you literally yeah. were a prisoner. Like literally. Yeah, there's this like intense inner conflict yes. that like I want, I wanted yes. to be this person, but my mm-hmm. identity was like, no, yes. you're not that person. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you think about it, people are saying, you no, you, this is your stream. And you're like, no, God, no. Like, <laughs> like you feel like you're being dragged. Right. But yeah. Tony, like he broke, like he breaks you into freedom. So what did you, yeah. what was your, what happened? Um, at that event, yeah, I would like, say the the biggest thing was like, if you've never been to an event, mm-hmm. so rewind a little, I was like, I, re- I read the book, Awaken the Giant with it. Oh yeah. That's a great book. But, yeah. Great mm-hmm. book back in like 2017. This is when I, this is when I was still pretty new in terms of personal development. And I'd heard that it was really good for like limiting beliefs and stuff like that. So I read it and I read with like a highlighter and literally I like I highlighted like the whole book. And, but you know, can I just like say a, something? Look, that's you Awaken the Giant within. There isn't, you go. But isn't Perfect that true? Example. Yeah. Yeah. It's like on the outside, you were saying I was small. But there was a giant within you that wanted to stand up against mediocrity. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people, right? Oh, so I, yeah. I read this book at 600 pages. I blew <laughs> through it. I highlighted the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I told my, you know, my fian- my girlfriend at the time, but fiance now, I, I was like, you know, I think I kind of want to check out one of these Tony Robbins events. And she's like, you know, she looked at me like I had three heads, you know, like, what are you nuts? Like, yeah. you know. And then we watched, uh, I'm not your guru on Netflix, which is like his mm-hmm. documentary, which is worth watching. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, I'm going to watch and, it. I don't know if I've seen it. Oh, really? Oh, you'll love it. It's right up your alley. Oh, but, um, yeah. 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 So I, I watched that with her and that was like kind of powerful. And we saw like some of the stuff he did with people at these events. Oh yeah. And after that, she's like, okay, I think, you know, I kind of get it. And you know, then I think it was a couple months later, she surprised me at Christmas with tickets to <gasps> UPW, which is his main four day Unleash the Power Within event wow. in uh, California. That's awesome. And we went and we get there and it was like, <laughs> it was kind of like we walked into this like big cult is what yeah. it felt like at first, right? Yeah. Like the sh- like shock, like everyone is like, we walk in and they have like all these greeters there at the door, like <laughs> high-fiving you as you walk yeah. in. They're like, Woo! you know, and you're like, Oh gosh, like, what did I do? Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And especially Nancy, she's like, Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not into this. This is not my thing. Yeah. I was like, I knew it was kind of going to be out of my comfort zone, but I'm like, I kind of went in with like as open a mind as possible, but I was still kind of like, Oh gosh, like, what did we get into? And I'm like, she's going to want to leave after, you know, a couple hours and stuff like that. So we go and like the first day just like rips you out of your comfort zone. You're like, interacting with people next to you that you don't know and like sharing kind of like deep emotional things. You're also like yelling and being like super goofy and like you're dancing all day and jumping up and down. Yeah. And it like breaks you out of this mode that we all live in Mm. where we're just kind of like on cruise control. Yes. And you don't want to like 
look too crazy or you don't want to look like too high energy or too happy yes. because then you're like labeled a weirdo. Yes. So yes. what it does is that first day, it like just like crushes your comfort zone. Love and it. so like, and then you go in day two, three and four and like they can work with you in, in a lot of transformation. And like over that four days of like 12 to 15 hour days that you're in there, like it's, you come out and you're like, oh, this is like the world again. Like you feel like you were there for like, you know, months yeah. and you do the fire walk and like all that stuff too. But I just, I came out of there and it was like by day, I think it was like day three, which is like, they call transformation day. It's like the most powerful day. By day three, I felt like I had like really come out of my shell that I had been like stuck in for all those years. And it was such like, it was just a crazy, like I wasn't afraid to like scream and yell and like really just kind of let loose and be myself Isn't that like in that environment. That is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. We, we squish uh, that out of kids. We do. It's horrible. Yeah. Because We're it's not, not conformity, that, right? You're not going to do that with your kids, right? No, no. Um, of course not. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was just like, I came out of that experience and man, I was like on fire mm -hmm. for a while, like emotionally, like I came out, I signed like two clients right away, like <laughs> not course. knowing a thing really about sales. And then I lost like 10 pounds in like two weeks. I got like in shape again, like I had been before. And I started reading every day and like prime, like all this stuff, like, and you know, it was great but it, that's, it, it's slowly, it's like that high, like emotional high and it slowly kind of wears off yeah. over time. So it'd been like several months and I was like, oh man, I'm like, I'm losing the juice. We had just moved to South Carolina. It was like just us. And, um, and I was like feeling kind of lower again, like back to, like I had defaulted back to my old self, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of, in a lot of ways. And so we went to New York UPW in the fall, like six months later. And we actually crewed that one. So we like volunteered. Cause I was like, I, you know, I couldn't afford another ticket. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. And so we crewed and volunteered and like did that. And that was like another good experience. Um, and then we didn't go for another like two or three years, Yeah, which like killed me inside. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, like you, you yeah. get such a boost every time. And we did just go to the virtual one recently, which was, which was really cool and super convenient. You know, we're like in the living room, but I can't, I can't wait till they can do the live ones again. But that experience kind of like, just, it set me on that path of like, you know, you get into, they have like a private Facebook group for all the attendees yeah. and you get in. And so like so much of that community and those people mm -hmm. are like, there's all these life coaches in there. Yeah. And like yeah. before that event, I didn't know like what a life coach was. Right. right. You know, like I'd, I'd maybe heard the term, but I was like, Oh, that's mm -hmm. like, Tony's a life coach and he's like the only one, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. like I got out of there and I am in this group and there's all these coaches in there and I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, like, oh, so this is like a real industry. This is like a real thing. Yep. Um, and that started to kind of like the wheels slowly started to turn and I got more and more into personal development and figuring myself out. Right. Which I had a lot of work to do that and kind of undo all these yeah. things I grew up with. And then like over the last, you know, the rise of the internet over the last few years has made that a lot more mainstream. A lot mm -hmm. more people are doing that. And so I, even though I was like, you know, I, I have this marketing business I'm working on and I like that, you know, I'm like an entrepreneur at heart. So I want to have yeah. like a real, like what I consider to be like a real business. You know, I kind of had mm -hmm. this idea in my head that like, oh, life coaching is not like a business, mm. you know, what is it? 
uh, I don't know. You, it's a lot of things. It's a calling. It's mm-hmm. like a, yeah. it's a way to serve. Yeah. And you can turn it into a business, yep. you know, for sure. But I think I was, I kind of had this limiting thinking that like, yeah. oh, like I have to, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I have to like have like an agency and that's like a real, real business right. you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I kept working at that, but like this, you know, life, like the life coaching, personal development stuff kept kind of like pulling at me, like Could in, the, it not in my be gut. A business? And, Could it not be a business because you loved it? Um, that's you a good question. I, mean? like that I, don't, I don't think that, that was the reason. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think it was because I was like, oh, well, I can't like hire employees and like sell it. And, you know, that's, and it relies on me. And I was like, well, then it's just like, I'm but d- you more self-employed can. than a business. But yeah. you actually can. You can. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Right. Which, yeah. But that just shows my limiting thinking yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm still working on this digital business yeah. in the last couple of years, but like in my head, it becomes more and more apparent, like, or like not in my head. Cause in my head, I'm like, Oh, logically, like I got to work on this business, but my, my gut and my heart is like telling me that like, you need to help people. Like you're, you're going to end up in that space mm-hmm. because there's so such a need for it, you know? And, and as, as I got more into it, I can like look around and I see all these people, my friends, my family, people like anyone who's like not in like Arate and stuff like that, who's yeah. already like super driven and like living this different lifestyle. Like the average person I look around and I see like, man, there's so much like pain they're dealing with so much like exactly. suffering that like yep. they don't need to mm-hmm. because they haven't been taught like how to deal with their emotions or they haven't been taught like why their experiences growing up or like how they're affecting them now and, and what to do about it and how to build habits into their life and how to quit this and like what, why their relationships keep failing or why they keep, you know, trying to get in shape, but they can't like all of this stuff. It's like, it's also solvable. And yes. so I start to see, like, I can look at this person and be like, Oh, boom. Like, this, like I, I wasn't telling people this, or I wasn't like really trying to like engage in these conversations by force or anything, but like, I just knowing people, I'm like, Oh, like this person needs this, that person like could use yep. that and they don't have to be, you know, dealing with that. Or like they, all these people who say like, Oh, all guys are assholes or like, guys who are like, Oh, all women are bad. And it's like, <laughs> well, what's, what's the common thread in there? Right, you know, like exactly. with all of those experiences, like the common yeah. thread is you, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, and that was like an area that, <coughs> oh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry about that. No, that's okay. uh, sorry. Sorry to your editor, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that was an area that I kind of overcame because again, I was homeschooled. My mom was like, no speaking to a female outside of your family until you're like 16. And oh, so, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You. So I get into high school and I didn't really have, I was actually, it's funny. I went to eighth grade and eighth grade was 30 kids in our class, 15 guys, 15 girls. And again, I had never like been, yes. this is kind of a funny story, but, uh, my gosh. I'd never been in that like situation. So I'm like, Oh girl, like, I don't know how to talk to, you know, whatever. But I was like, I was, I was happy. I was enthusiastic to like be out in school and stuff like that. And all these people were like, you know, having these little like eighth grade relationships, like, Oh, this is my girlfriend. This is my, you know, but obviously like, it was kind of like you hold hands at school and that's the thing. Right. Right. But like, I was like, Oh man, like I went and I like asked like every girl out in the first like (laughs) like, three weeks and they like all said, no, they all said, yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, well, so there was funny. one who said yes. And then like three days later, she's like, I don't think this is working. I mean, it's not like anything was <laughs> nothing, anything, but so then I learned, like, I was like, Oh, like this isn't, 
I guess I really don't know this area or whatever. Yeah. And then like, I was like a hopeless romantic. Oh. I, uh, in high school, I did have a girlfriend for the last like year and a half. Yeah. Broke up right before I went to college. I went to college and I was like, oh my gosh, like, again, this is like, you know, the big open world at, hey. at school. And same thing. Like I, I wanted a girlfriend really bad. Mm. Um, which I think is like a, a normal thing course, for a lot of yeah. people. Right? right. And I don't, I didn't date anyone for yeah. all four years of college. Like yeah. I never had a girlfriend. Yeah. Even though I went on, cause like I, the girls that I liked, I didn't like know how to actually, yeah. you know, you get nervous and you're like, right. Oh, I don't know. I just like never developed. Like, I was like, why are they all like, like my friend, but not me, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah. which I know like is so many guys mm-hmm. have experienced that and are still experiencing 100%. that. Yes. Yeah. So then I went to work on like, and I guess this was like personal development without me knowing it back then. Yeah. But I started like looking up books and courses about like how to talk to girls and how to, you know, cool. how to be an alpha male and like yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, good. uh, and then like I graduated, I, I started working at the gym and then like during the gym, you know, I, I kind of also being around the classes, like my social skills developed and stuff like that. And then like by a couple of few years in, you know, like my, my social skills in that way and talking to like had improved immensely. And I was, I was like another, another thing where like, again, I got to the gym, I couldn't speak to yeah, save my well, life. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a few years later of working yep. at it, I was competent and it was yes. kind of the same thing. Yeah. In, the, in the dating world. Yeah. And then uh, I met my now fiance at the gym. She, mm-hmm. she was a member and I was a trainer and we, it, it was natural. Like we kind of hit it off yeah. and you know, I sent her a Facebook message. We hung out, we watched, you know, the Netflix and chill kind of thing. And then like <laughs> a month later we're, we're dating. But like I, I, at that point, like I was not looking for a girlfriend at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. But because I had developed myself and worked on myself, it naturally it came into my it. life. Yeah, you and know, so I'm, that was like, go ahead. I just wanted to say, like, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe you know this about yourself, but if you look at across your life, because you mentioned it a little bit, that you've had all of these situations where you did, you were unsure and overcame, mm. unsure and overcame, unsure and overcame, in spite of, you know, you're, you're being held back in a lot of ways, you know, for, and um, I just find it really interesting because I feel like that's your education. Like mm. so much of, even just like you describing, and for anyone who's listening, like if you're in that place where you don't know what to do next, like I always tell people, like what you're doing right now is contributing to where you're going to be. Like all mm-hmm. of these like hardships or, you know, just saying like being in college and just never, you know, wanting a girlfriend so badly and not having one like that, mm-hmm. that experience created something in you that wouldn't have been created if it didn't happen. Like the doubt and yeah. the comparison to your friends. Like to me, that was most of your education, you know, developing not, not that one particular thing, but all of those right. things together it's actually a theme. Do you hear it? it? And it's like, and and it's the doubt. You had that doubt like that. And then the inner, that inner world that was going on inside of you. I would love to know that doubt. Like, what would you, what would you say the primary thoughts were that you were thinking? Like, you know how we have like distorted thoughts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And you've learned to pivot from those thoughts, it sounds like. Like, I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm going to move through discomfort to my greatness. Yeah, I think it's like Tony Robbins always says. He says, people do things for two reasons. Mm -hmm. To either move towards pleasure or away from pain. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things that I was frustrated with or that I didn't have success with equaled pain. Yep. And so all of these things spurred change, right? Because I was like, oh, I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to, this to be me anymore. Yeah, but a lot and of so, people wouldn't have done that. You understand that's the difference. Not right. most people. Not yeah. most people would have, they would have went to that gym and been like, yeah, you know, it's not for me. Just, mm. it's just not me. Think about it. Yeah. It's just I mean, not I think me. it's it's such you have to have mm-hmm. like what it's it's kind of one of those things that like you hear all the time and you're like, oh, that sounds kind of cliche or cheesy or whatever, but like having that like burning desire. Yes, so like I had this 100%. burning desire for freedom and like I had this burning desire to, you know, not be alone and single. I had this burning desire to um become a CrossFit coach. Yeah. And that like over, you know that outweighed my fear yep, and that sort of thing. So it's having this burning desire and like moving away from pain. And that's like your, that's your recipe for like success and change. And I look back and it might sound like I'm, I still like, I have a lot of, I don't want to say grudges, but like kind of like ill feelings towards these like situations growing up. You don't sound like that at all, by the way. Okay. Well, I just want to let you know. Yeah, don't. basically, like now, yeah. now I'm, I did for a long time. Yeah. Growing mm-hmm. up, I was bitter. I, you know, I was, I was mad at my mom, you know, like all this stuff. Yeah. And until recently, the last couple of years, doing all that work, all that personal yeah. development, I'm finally able to look back at all those situations and say, you know, thank goodness I was homeschooled because it taught me to question things and want freedom. And now yes. freedom is like my number one value. Thank goodness that like I had this bad experience in real estate so that I got out and went into business, mm-hmm. you know? So like every, every thing that I labeled as bad back then, yes. like it's, you know, another one of those cliche things, but it all happens for a reason. You just have to be able to kind of see it and find it and use it. You know what I love, you know, um, and you've probably heard it a million times and I just love saying it and hearing it in my own ears. What Edison said, like, you know, when he said, I didn't fail 10,000 times Mm -hmm. at creating the condescent light bulb. You know, I found 10,000 ways how not to do it. And I, I have this, this, I, I just, well, let me see what it is. Where is it? One, I have it written down. Where is it? It was so good. I wanted to say it. (laughs) Oh, he said, I, I, you may have heard this. I don't think I've heard this. He also said, our greatest weaknesses lie in giving up. The mm. most certain way to succeed is always to try one more time. And I just, and that's, it's, it almost sounds like, you know, like um, uh, Jim Rohn, he was the mentor to Tony Robbins. He's, yep. I love, love, love him. But he, would, he says, how long do you wait for a baby to walk? And it's until as long and, as it takes. Yeah, until it does. Yeah. You know, it's like um, that definiteness of purpose, and mm-hmm. like you, you, it's almost like you had that silent, burning desire thing going on. And I feel like that right there—that's the person. That's that high-level thinker. That's what you were. But you know, it's like you know, being like you, 
are you being humble? Like I saw you kind of do that thing where you're like, uh, oh. I, I mean, I think it was, it was unconscious until recently <laughs> in my life. When, you know? But listen, yeah. when I'm yeah. telling you, when I hear like a kid talk, like a little kid and mm-hmm. like the parents bring them in like, Oh my God, could you do something with this kid? He's horrible. You know, could mm-hmm. you like do therapy yeah. on him? Like, and I think about what, when you were young and you'd be like, well, why do I have to do this? Now, maybe you weren't saying it out loud. Right. But to me, that's a high level thinker. That's what, that's what I see when I see a kid like mm. that. I'm like, this guy is, th- he's questioning. The wheels are turning. Yes. Yeah. And like, isn't learning supposed to be discovery mm. and mm-hmm. enlightenment and excitement? And, but yeah. we're put in a box and you didn't want to do that. And it's just, yeah. it's, and it's the law of polarity. Like you were like, you were being put in these very extreme situations that seemed like they catapulted you into a place of greatness where you just had to, it's almost like you like had to, you know, like the cocoon, the, the butterfly in the cocoon, like you had to squish your way through or uh-huh. you just had to do that. Cause it was so like you were squished, right? Which we yeah. do to so many kids. I just, you know, I think. I think you have a, I think you have a really good story and it has, I mean, cause I can hear it. I can hear that spark. You know, you, mm. you know, you're born for more than this, right? Did you feel that inside? Um, or just insecurity and doubt? No. <laughs> and like, what the hell is going I, on around me? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I don't think I was, it was like growing up until yeah. again, until like recently, until I became like very self-aware of all mm-hmm. these thoughts. Um, it was, I don't want this or I want to move away from this yes. or I'm frustrated right. by this. That, that was the motivation. It yeah. wasn't, it was a moving away from, not a moving towards yeah. initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I never thought like, Oh, like I'm destined for great things necessarily, but I was like, I'm not destined to an average normal, like, or what I considered to be like mediocre life where you yeah. wake up and you put on a suit and tie and you go and you sit at a cubicle Monday through Friday, nine to five and take two weeks vacation. I always knew that I didn't want to do that because I was like, that just sounds terrible to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, some people love it, you know, power to them, but it was just, it wasn't for me. And I knew that from a young age, but other than that, I think all the rest was kind of subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. What's your definition of success? (sighs) That's a good question because I, you know, everyone should define that for themselves. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. But I think it's, for me, it's being, it's, it's freedom. Number one, mm-hmm. when I have freedom of success, so that means freedom, like time, freedom, mm-hmm. financial freedom. That's probably the biggest one I'm, I'm working on right now. Like time, freedom, location, freedom, freedom to pursue what you want, do what you want. Like autonomy, I guess, is if you had to drill it down to one word, mm-hmm. because it's like people who have autonomy are the happiest people, people who can wake up and do what they want in life. Mm, okay. Right. Why, do, why is prison so terrible? Cause you have no autonomy. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yep. Like humans mm-hmm. throughout most of history, you know, they didn't have a, you know, a, like a central government that was, had all these rules and laws and they had to pay tax. Like, you know, for most of human history, you wake up, you do what you got us to survive. The rest is like kind of whatever you want. Mm. You know, you live out in the middle of nowhere now we have all these like rules and, and regulations and stuff in society. Yeah. And it makes it a lot harder. You know, we have a lot, a lot, everyone has debt, you know? And so it's, it's a lot harder now to live 
autonomy technology, like you, you know, it, it, your work, it follows you everywhere now. Yes, and so 100%. I think it's harder than ever. There's more ways to achieve it now than ever more opportunity. Yeah. But you have to like work harder to get it, I think than ever before. And so I think for me, success equals autonomy. So when I can wake up and I can spend all day, like if I want to write or blog that day, yes, cool. that's what I do. If I want to like get in the car and go on an adventure, like mm-hmm. that's what I could do. If I want to like wake up and fly to the other side of the world yeah, and like do that, like that's, that's success to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that like in terms of society, that might be seen as something um, that is against societal norms. Like it's against what is meant to be and almost like it can be seen as irresponsible. But if you really think about it, like you're not a person who's not driven, you are driven, but you Mm -hmm. also, you know, and, and it's um, one of the things uh, like Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about is that becoming like, there's no time. There's no um, like, there isn't a place Like when you become, you know, pure consciousness and you're not bound by all of these things, like your phone, Mm -hmm. all the, you know, time, um, the people in your life. Now, he's not saying that you shouldn't have people in your life, but it, like, that is where like creativity is and where like infinite possibility is. Yeah. And it's because you have to clear, you have to Mm -hmm. clear away all those things to create space for Mm -hmm. that, for flow, for, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because there's, our society is so bombarded with information and stuff, just things happening Mm -hmm. and busyness. Stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. And it like stops our brain from having the opportunity to go into the, going from high beta to beta, then to alpha. Alpha is when your brain can categorize and prioritize and just, it can just put you in a position of clarity and then making decisions that are just magnificent. Yeah. The analogy I like to use mm-hmm. is say you have like a room in your house, your office, a workshop, yeah. whatever. And most people, they want to use that space. Like that space is your mind, your, your brain. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. most people, that space is like just full of, of stuff. Yep. Like every stimuli is like, like most people's minds, if you looked at them that way, would look like a hoarder live there, yep. you know, like they're Absolutely. full to mm-hmm. the ceiling of stuff and you can't operate. You, you're not efficient. Like you can't, get things done when you're like, you know, there's clutter everywhere yeah. and you can't function. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, kind of taking that time, clearing your mind is like cleaning out that room and making it far more functional. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, do you know, that statement less is more is very powerful because it is yeah. true. Like you can do yeah. one thing today and get one thing done or go, do everything today and get nothing done. Yeah. yeah. that That's a hard thing to learn too. Cause I'm a, yeah. I'm a generalist in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Like I'm I don't like to spend like a lot of people find that one thing or that one area and they go all in, they spend all their time and they get really, really good at that one thing. I like to work on like everything. I'm like curious about everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm good at a million things yeah. and I'm not like world-class at any one thing, mm-hmm. which can slow your progress in any one area for sure. Mm-hmm. But like, that's just, that's just me. Like I can't, I can't work on one thing today. You know, I wish I could, yeah. I'm, I'm working towards that, but yeah, I think it's, uh, like what you said, it's, but you know what? it's hard and I, I'm trying to work, especially now we live in the information age where like yep. you're on your computer and like right now I have like 30 tabs open and there's just like so much 
coming at you. And I'm like, oh, well, like, not, especially like online yeah. courses now, you're like, oh, I want to do this yes. course and learn that. And I want to learn that. And I want to learn this. Mm-hmm. And there's just like so much. Mm-hmm. And so now that's probably one thing I've been working on recently is doing less or taking in less. And now I can actually think a little bit more you know, instead I'm- of being like, Everywhere. I got to tell you something that's so, I feel like is so important because I'm thinking that um, I just see this a lot in the practice. I see that um, a lot of people will be, they'll be describing what you're describing that they want, they like want to learn everything or they're Mm -hmm. so fast, Mm -hmm. right? But that to me is like a giftedness that people have that can end up, you know, uh, you know, people who are gifted are also people who are special needs because Hmm. they end up seeing everything and it makes the world feel like too much. And a lot of times, like a lot of the people you'll see like homeless in New York city are, are people like that who are Hmm. absolutely brilliant, but the world it's too much for them. So they they couldn't find that one area to focus it. Yeah. Yes. Because it's right. And it's like that, I feel like people who have that gift, um, one of my sons has that, and it would be like, I would have to teach him. I would have to say, all right, we're on our way to the parade. And then he'd see a leaf with like mm. dewdrop on it. And he would be, want to be like, well, how come that's there? And let's like discuss it. And mm. like, he'd want to know about it. Now, yeah. right, so then I would have to teach him, well, <laughs> That's a great thing, but we still have to get to the parade at 10. But if you don't, like, if you go down that rabbit trail with them, like, the they curiosity don't will function. just carry them. Yeah. yeah. So it's like yep. that balance. And they also feel more vividly. Yeah. You know, like, I, do you do that? Do you, like, when you see more things, like, do you also, like, when you're experiencing something, do you feel it or, or it's more serious to you than maybe to somebody else? Oh, all the, or all you the like time. dead so there's, emotionally. <laughs> there, there's so many things. I, I don't know. For me, the emotional part is yeah. much. I'm like not a super emotional person. Mm-hmm. I'm, actually, I'm actually working on being more emotional <laughs> because you know that tell. that was like a defense mechanism growing yeah. up. Was like you know I'm going to push these feelings down and not mm-hmm. feel pain and emotion. So yes. what's interesting is I never cry when I'm sad, mm. but I cry really easily during happy moments. Yeah, that's like in movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'll cry when something's happy. Yeah. But it could be the saddest thing in the world and I won't cry because I trained myself not to feel or show that sadness yeah. growing up. But I didn't show it for the happy during, you know, I didn't yeah. train myself to not cry during happy. Do you so know why you trained but, yourself to do that? Or is this too personal? What'd you say? Do you know the reason that you trained yourself to not cry during sad things? Was it was that like a survival skill? Like it wasn't a good idea to cry during a, a bad situation? Yeah, it was like a... I think sadness, anger, frustration, all that stuff I learned, like my coping mechanism growing up was just to kind of like bury it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, what's interesting mm-hmm. about that is that when somebody does that, um, they learn, they split off from themselves at that age emotionally. Mm-hmm. So that emotion gets buried alive. So yeah. it's almost like, let's say you're- You have to like refine it. Yeah. So if you're four years old or, you know- we grow emotionally, just like we um, we develop emotionally, we develop physically, you know, so you can grow into a grown man. And that's why people will, when they're triggered by something, they will show a 
childlike emotion. That's why you see two adults who are arguing and they're screaming mm-hmm. at one another. There is no adult in the room. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's from an older, younger, non-developed place. I'm not saying that that's you, but mm-hmm. I'm, so it's like we will split off from our emotional state. It's re- going to be really cool. Like I guess yeah. just finding that part of you. And I, I think the yeah. extreme example of that would be like schizophrenia, right? Like creating oh, yeah. an entirely different yep. personality yep. to disconnect from mm-hmm. that other uh, yes. emotion or yeah. Yeah. Um, but what you were saying before about like, go, like seeing stuff and like being curious about like yeah. that happens all the time. So like I'll walk by something I'm like, it could be in nature. It could be a building. I'm like, yeah. and like that bridge, I'm like, how do they like anchor that underwater? Yeah. You know, like, how does that hold people? Or I'm like, you know, how did, uh, how did like erosion create like this, you know, like, like yeah. this Canyon that I'm walking through. Like, I think those things and I kind of like, I'll, I'll point them out sometimes to like, or I'll ask like Nancy about them. And she's like, like, why, why do you care? <laughs> you know, like, yes. Yeah. But yeah. You know and it's just like, I, I don't know. I just like think about these things that I guess most people don't really think about. Do you hear notice. that? Most people don't not like, mm-hmm. right. But I yeah. feel like somebody who thinks like that, the way that you're thinking, they end up very often feeling like they don't want to say things because they mm. feel like it, people won't really get it. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute, am I like a little weird that I'm thinking this? Like, I, yeah. I think I think that's how I felt growing yeah, up. Definitely. You know, like that's why I didn't speak mm-hmm. out or talk or question. Yep. Because I was like, oh, like it's if I if I question this, if I question authority or mm-hmm. you know talk back, like that's that's not going to bring me love. You know, it's going to bring, you know, anger or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And you know what? People, people do get pissed off at the kids or the adults who are doing that. They think they're being difficult. They're just inquisitive, (laughs) you know, right? I'm still, I'm still like that. Like I'll ask, uh, (laughs) listen, you're annoying the shit out of me right now. Okay, Bradley. I'm just kidding. What did you say? I said, you're annoying the shit out of me right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I swear. I am. That was so inappropriate. Ryan cut that out. But we can on YouTube. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, Sorry. That's all right. Give him the, give him the raw unfilter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yes. That's another thing. Like I'll just ask like my fiance, will tell me about something. I'll ask like eight questions about it. And then like, <laughs> she'll be like, like, why do you want to know? Or like, she'll, like she'll answer and be like, why? And I'm like, no, no real reason why I'm just curious. Yeah. And like, I think she's like gotten used to it some, but there's still times where it's like, yes. I'll ask a question. I'll be like, uh, I'll be like, you know, where'd you go to the store to, or where are you going to go to grocery shopping? She's like, Why? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just want to know. Just curious. You know, like, yeah, Yeah. it's just. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's weird because you can like start going into conversations and people, you can see them start to like, be like, oh my God, like, what are we talking? Like, I will talk (laughs) about a brain for like 15 minutes and I watch my family's eyes just circling. Like they just, just, they're like, oh my God, like she's still talking about that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I got it. So let me ask you. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! We probably have to go. Do we have to make this a double a double show too? Uh, uh, we could. We can I'm, do. I'm we can do whatever. whatever the hell we want, Bradley. Given this, it's, a- right? it's Saturday. We yeah. got time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in <laughs> life. Okay. Let. Me, yeah. Do you have like what? You know this concept of being automated, right? Mm. Mediocrity. I feel like we are automated into mediocrity because 
we do not recognize. You know the um, I believe his name is Alvin Tuffler, and one of his famous um, quotes is um, the illiterate of the 21st century are not going to be those who cannot read or write, but it, those who cannot learn, unlearn, and learn again. And that is basically that. what we're talking. Don't you love that? So mm -hmm. it's basically what we're doing right now is everything we've learned has been hardwired. I, I don't want to say hardwired, has been wired into our um, neurological system from the time we're little. So from by the time you were seven, I mean, there was a lot of shit going on in there, I have to say, <laughs> you know, like, don't talk, yeah. whatever, you know, like all these uh -huh. rules. And basically, then you think about what happens then. Then our brain continues to drive us in the direction that we learned up until we're little, you know, as mm -hmm. from a young child. Now, if you think about it, what we become automated in this state. So I always I actually couple that idea. Don't get mad at me. It's a it's a scripture. So basically, I couple that that we uh, that the illiterate cannot learn, unlearn, and learn again. It's the same thing as like do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I feel like being conformed is like being conformed to the world that we were born into, like our family and all of that. A lot of people think mm -hmm. it's not to be conformed to the world is don't li listen to wild rap music or something <laughs> with everybody cursing. But really, it's like yeah. we're conformed by the time we're very young. And it's like being transformed. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing with personal development. That's mm -hmm. what we want everybody on this sh who's listening to be able to hear and say, you know what, I don't have to live like this anymore. I can transform this. And the way to do that is to believe differently, to think bit differently, and to not follow the feelings that we've felt the most. Because the feelings that we have felt the most, we are addicted to. And yeah. we just create a life that we don't even want just by repeat. And you can yeah. notice it just by patterns. I feel like what you've done is you've broken patterns. Like you're not listening to the patterns of your childhood, right? Trying not to, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you too much compliments. He's like, I'm, yeah. um, you're being so humble, but think about yeah. it, right? Isn't that what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think the goal of personal development is to unautomate yourself. Yes. Right, so like you're teaching yourself not just to learn new patterns and learn more, mm -hmm. but to unlearn all of those things and you can't unlearn them or unautomate yourself mm -hmm. if you're not aware of them. Like auto being automated means you're unaware. hundred percent. Right? So you're just building yep. awareness, doing that work, unautomating mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what it's all about. And yeah. that's like, people think that it's like being rebellious just for the sake of being rebellious or you want attention. And like, there's obviously that, like a lot of people do that. But just because you question things or just because you like ask why, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't make you a rebel. That doesn't make you like, you know, cause there's a lot of, a lot of rebels with like, I, I like to think uh, not most people as like rebels with a cause, mm -hmm. right? There's like, they say rebels without a cause, you know, who just like, they just want to cause trouble. They just want to rebel because like they want attention. They think it's cool, whatever. But a rebel with a cause is someone who's like, they rebel or they ask why, but there's a reason, you know, and they, and yeah. it's that, 
they think for themselves. They don't want to blindly follow, you know, they want to find a better way, which is like how I've always thought, like, there's got, is there a better way to do this? Or so to, it's the best question. Can I, how can I do this better? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah, know and, what? I th- and I think that's like, if you just ask that one question mm-hmm. naturally, yeah, then you become unautomated. True. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like almost um, like the concept, like what you're saying about being unautomated, it's, it's living in the truth, like what you're describing, like the, like the path to all freedom is, is through truth. Nothing changes mm-hmm. until it becomes what it is. Right. So it's like, yeah. It's tricky because there's so much, a lot of people would argue that happiness comes from like blissful ignorance, (laughs) you know, like there's so many people out there who you're you're like, man, how are they like, Mm -hmm. how are they thinking this way or believing this way or like being so unaware Mm -hmm. of the truth? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's a lot easier to do that. Right. So like, it's, it's just the, the relationship between like easy doesn't equal happy Mm or, or, it's not rewarding. Easy doesn't equal rewarding, right? Because it's hard to do that work and it's hard to think for yourself and go against the grain. You know what's interesting? I'm so sorry. I interrupted you. Mm -hmm. You know what? I feel like what we're talking about is so interesting because I think all of it's the meaning that somebody attaches to hard or easy or Mm. because one of the things I say to the women who are in the, um, we do these daily things and a lot of them, I'll hear them go, oh my gosh, to do this work every day. I'm like, this is only work if you see it as work. Because being in the now, Mm -hmm. we can consider that work because we're used to being in the future and in the past. But if you, you know, just like anything, if you're training, like in the gym, you it becomes easy. Hard, Hard things aren't hard. That's just the perception of how we see it. So to me, to be able to, to be able to, say, okay, it's blissful to be ignorant because then I can just kind of, you know, just float float. on the lazy river and just do my thing. And I'm not saying it's lazy. I'm just mean, you know, just to float along, but what's, what are you forfeiting? Like the spark of your life, creativity, excitement, like so much that is available, you're willing to forfeit it for the perception of ease. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, exactly. I think, Mm -hmm. I always bring these mental constructs or examples back to physical because mm-hmm. it helps people relate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's a lot easier to not go to the gym and like sit at home. Exactly. But are you going to be happier in the end? Right. No. So you have to go and you have to get uncomfortable. You have to go to the gym, mm-hmm. but you feel a heck of a lot better later on. Yep. And, and so it's and- that same concept mentally. Yeah. Anything mm-hmm. that has to be created in our brain, we don't have the construct to, to create it until we start creating it. So it has the illusion of hard, right? Right? Because there's mm-hmm. nothing in us to create that thing until it's created. I know, now yeah. I'm saying it in that kind of abstract way that you probably can't stand because you're logical. So look, we're <laughs> like, a, we're, can like do, we're like a team here. We could it do works. Like a, it yeah, works. It works. Okay. We'll have to start our own co-hosted podcast. I'm telling you, I was just thinking that you could be like the straight man. I'll be like the goofy, like, like, right. And say all go. the abstract woo-woo things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So listen, t- what is like one magnificent out of the box? Not most people thing that you could say to this audience that would shake them up. 
I know. I should have told you this before the show. <laughs> so you'd be that's prepared. A, that's a tricky one. Yeah. It is, right? right, um, right yeah. No, that's good, though. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's just the realization that even though people want to fit in, they really don't. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like when I was growing up, I did all these things to avoid pain. I didn't speak out, but I had all these things inside me that was like, again, there was that inner conflict Yes, and people have that. And they're like, well, like I want to fit in, like fitting in is what I want. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you don't. You want to do big things. You want to be an individual. You want to like be your own person. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, I think so many people have that same internal struggle. Mm -hmm. Even, even like, you know, people who have gone out and done huge things and, and whatever, they still deal with it just on a different level. But everyone has that like internal conflict of like, I want to be me and I want to fit in. Yeah. Right. And so like a lot of people choose to fit in because it's the easier, it's less resistance Mm -hmm. externally, but like internally, they're always going to feel trapped or like, Oh man, I need to, I want to, I want to speak out. I want to start a podcast. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to start a business, but I don't know how my friends and family Mm -hmm. are going to react to that. Yep. And so, um, and so you just have to realize that like so many people don't realize that they think they want to fit in, but then they also want to be individuals. And that's where they're just like, they're torn. There's so much, so it's like the most common inner conflict, I think. It is an amazing conflict. And you know, what you said is so profound because think about it. Like, can you fit in and can you be aligned with yourself and be aligned with everyone else? No. How is that even possible? Because we're all right. snowflakes. We're all so different. So when it's almost like if we were just allowed to just be ourselves. You know, if you think about how much is, is holding us back. We, we, you and I, even on this, like there are so many things that I would have done that were so screwed up on this thing that I held myself back from. It's like <laughs> probably like a thousand in just this, right? If we really think about it, like how could, I'm like, oh my God, don't do that. Oh shit, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, what did you say? Oh my God, I shouldn't have said that, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, think about it because we want, we want to be liked, right? We want to sound good, but if we're just totally ourselves, like people, that's who we usually end up liking. Isn't it the person who's like a little different, like quirky or quiet, whatever it is. Like those are the people we like. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's that brings out your insecurities too. Cause yes. you're like, Oh, that person is doing what I know I should be doing yep. on some level. <laughs> and that's, and that's where like all the resistance comes from. That's like, if you say, I'm going to do this big thing and, your, you know, for say friends or family are like, well, that's, you know, that sounds kind of crazy. I don't know if you should go do that. Like you shouldn't give up this job. That's like, that's risky or whatever it might be. It's because, you know, sometimes obviously they care about your well being and like, you know, they're seeing through their lens that it's, it's risky and whatever. But a lot of times if people, you know, all the haters out there yeah. for the most part, uh, they're, they're seeing you and you're doing what they haven't developed the balls to do yet. Yes. Right. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't make you feel good when you look at people doing that. No. Yeah. And you're not. And think about what's the risk if you don't do it. The risk is, uh, I I think it's really easy if you think about, I mean, I don't know if this sounds like morbid, but if you think about yourself, like I think about myself, like on my deathbed. Yes. And, and looking back on my life. 
Bradley, that is morbid, but it's okay. It's, a, it's an useful tool, though. It's <laughs> also, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's actually funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. So that's that's where mine's, my yeah. mind is at, in case you guys you know wanted to hear that. But <laughs> no, um, yeah, looking back and saying, because like when you're when you're old and you're like 70, 80, 90, whatever, and you're getting like towards the end, like, do you want to look back and like, what do you, what do you have at that point? Mm-hmm. You have experiences and memories. And hopefully they're ones that you are happy with or that you went for, right? Like yeah. every, everyone you've heard, you've heard it a million times how like the most common regret of people on their deathbed is, is what they didn't do and 100%. not what they did do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. I think it's just remembering that mm-hmm. and remembering that like, you know, at the end of the day, like, or not at the end of your life, you know, when you like look back and you say, you know, you, you close your eyes and you don't think about like, Oh, I had this car. I, you know, had this job, people liked me or, you know, my friends liked me. You think like, you know, you think about these intense moments, like you're like the most emotional moments, Mm -hmm. either high or low or whatever. That's what you're going to think of, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to think of like that world travel trip. You're going to think of that business you started. You're going to think of your marriage, you know, like your wedding, whatever. You're going to think about like time with the people you like. That's what you're going to think of. You're not going to think about like, uh, oh man, like I'm glad I I worked that job for 50 years. I didn't want to work, you know. I'm so or like, glad whatever. I didn't take that flight because I was so afraid it would crash. I'm right? just so grateful I never went on that trip to yeah. whatever. And, and it gets yeah. it gets harder and harder to make that pivot mm-hmm. the older you get, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get more and more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You you know what fires together wires together, so you get more and more into the thought pattern that you want to maybe break mm-hmm. a, away from. But I got to so, tell you something, you could change it yeah. any time, right yeah, on your deathbed. 100%. You know, yep. it just shifts, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Can happen in a moment. Yeah. So listen, I never know how to land a plane. I'll tell you right <laughs> now. Like, so what if, what else would you want to say here that you feel like you want? And I'm going to have you come back on again if you'll ever come back. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you, you to tell um, the audience, all the different ways they can find you. We, I really want you to listen to Bradley's podcast. That's really, I think, I think you're going to be really blessed. It's not most people, but can you tell them like where they can find you, um, what you're working on? And also, can you also just leave messages for us and like um, in any way that you can contact me or Bradley and just, if you've, if you feel anything about Bradley in terms of coaching, like relationships and health, just give a shout out. Just let him know what you think of that. And if you're interested in that, you know, just I'd love um, just because as you listen to him, you can hear his wisdom. And I'm just wondering if it's something you would it would be something that you would also be interested in. So how could they find you? Thank you. Actually, I, first, I just want to really quickly touch on one thing that. Oh, yeah, please do. Um, you asked a while back, but I think we kind of got on a different track, but that was like, what would you say to these, to people who are like, you know, how do I find my calling or what oh, yes. I want yes. to do in yeah. life? Like and people the simple- in their, in their late high school and then all through their, their twenties. I really want you to yeah. say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause this was me. I had no idea yep. what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but, and everything that I'm doing now, which is, you know, the breakthrough digital the podcast, getting into life coaching, like, all of those things three to five years ago, I didn't know they existed. Yeah. 
That's you know, so like people grow up thinking that like, oh, this is the path like that I'm going to do. I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to be a nurse. You know, a lot of people fall into these kind of like traditional, like well-known paths. And they say, you know, that's, that's what I could do. And they say, you know, I can't do there's like, those are the only options. And I see that all the time. And I'm like, you just, you have to look like that's, that's the simple answer is you look like I've, I was in my 20 and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. So I read books. I meet new people. I, and, and these things, if you're open to them and you look for them, the opportunities and the answers will come to you. And until you've done like enough self-discovery, you're not going to see that. Yeah. And so that's, that's the simple answer is you just have to look. I see so many people who are like, well, I'm going to be a police officer or I'm going to be a nurse. And like, there's nothing wrong with, obviously those are great things to do, but not if like, that's not what you want to do. Right. Exactly. If you think that's like, I have to do that by default, mm -hmm. that's not the best reason to be doing that. So anyone who's like kind of, I mean, and everyone gets pushed towards looking that way. You know, especially like you go back a generation or two, like yeah. that's what you did. You got a, mm -hmm. you got a job and you, uh, worked it for 40 years and you retired mm -hmm. and you got a pension. Like that's how it was, but that's, that's not the world anymore. And so you have to see it through your lens and like you have the internet these days. So there's no excuse to not be able to find like something new, you know, like there's so many people I know who are like, well, you know, I'm going to be like a, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll use the nurse or the teacher example again, because like, I don't know what else. Yeah. And it's like, well, there's like about a hundred digital skills mm -hmm. that you could teach yourself yep. and go on Fiverr within mm -hmm. like a few months and yep. make money with a hundred percent. You know, so like there's more opportunity than ever. You just have to look for it. So that's kind of my long winded answer mm -hmm. to that is you just have to look and you'll discover it eventually. It wasn't long winded by the way. And, mm -hmm. um, I just, just to piggyback on that, I think that, you know, that concept, um, which is more abstract in, it's almost like you you can look inward and as like Bradley's talking about, as he's finding himself and learning about himself, like you cannot help but see other things. And mm. also like suppose what you're meant to do or what is your spark hasn't ever been done before. Like it's right. almost like you can create from knowing yourself and aligning with yourself, you can create from there. Like what really like makes you excited or really like that you just love, but if it's, you feel shut down because somebody else it, would think it was weird. Do you mm -hmm. know that the Wright brothers, you know how weird everybody thought that they were? Like, Anyone who's ever invented anything meaningful, anything. they were called crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's just so really anything on the other side of greatness is first of all, it's not been done. And it's, it's discomfort and being a novice. Like, I believe that we should commit to being a novice every day and learn to un unlearn being uncomfortable with being new at something. We've been taught in our society to be afraid of mistakes. How are you supposed to catch a ball if you don't drop it? Like, it's just dumb. So like, you know, just so learn to be a novice, like, like yeah. just... And when you're a novice, yes, and make a million mistakes. What like success is about repetitious mistakes, failures. That is success, right? Mm -hmm. Hundred percent. Are we not badass or what? <laughs> we are. We, we are, are this right? Is, 
Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in here. We I think. are. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So help me land this plane. Hey, you know what? Okay. You want to close my podcast? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I don't. I, I like your I mean, soundboard. I gotta get me one right, of those. Let's do. It, let's do. It. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So what are we gonna do? Let's do. Um... All right, people. We are about to end this unbelievable podcast. Wait. We need to know how to find Bradley. <laughs> find Wait a second. That was a start. We that see. There's a mistake for a great podcast. That's okay. Right. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Let's go, Bradley. Tell us where yeah, keep, to find you. I'll keep it real quick. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Bradley underscore Roth. Uh, you can find the podcast, Not Most People. It's on, I believe, every major streaming platform. And hopefully the website, full new website will be there soon at notmostpeople.net. So stay tuned for that. And uh, that's really it. Also on Facebook is, is another place. And what, what are you on Facebook? Can they message Brad, you? Bradley Roth. But I say Instagram is probably the easiest way. Instagram and podcasts. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So listen, you're gonna, um, you guys are gonna uh, go and listen to Bradley's uh, podcast, right? Nobody, especially answering. Allison's episode. Yep. Exactly. Of course. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Hey, hey! I want to just thank you all for listening, and I want to thank you, Bradley, for being on our show. This was just such a pleasure. And um, keep in touch. Leave your comments. If you feel like subscribing, do it. If you don't, don't. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Unbelievable pleasure.